0: You are listening to the American Truth Project podcast. Welcome to Because You Asked. I'm Barry Newsom. We are back from our tour of Israel, and today's special guest is Danny Seaman. 30 years serving the government of Israel, including six prime ministers. He's known around the world as the voice of the Prime Minister of Israel, including a decade serving Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu. In segment three with Danny Seaman, we discussed the fallacy of the peace process and how Israel's security must come first if Israel is ever able to make peace with the Palestinians. We talked a little before about the peace process, starting with Oslo. Now we have President Trump talking about he's going to throw his people at it. The latest American president with the same idea that he can come or his people can come to Israel and the Middle East and make peace. What are your thoughts on whatever peace process might be now and what's wrong with the situation on the ground that may not make that a successful outcome?
1: You can only have peace when two sides really wanna have peace. You can't have peace when one side is part of a greater civilization, meaning Islam. Islam, there is no concept of peace with non-believers for Islam. It, it, it's it's a Western concept. Western concept, and especially after generations of wars, et cetera, culminating in, in World War II, they finally understood, you know, let's well, just work our differences out in a peaceful manner, especially when you have democratic countries. There is no democracy in the Arab world. There is theology. And there's Islamic, extreme Islam theology. There is no alternative in Islam. And so, therefore, they cannot accept uh, 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 even what they consider to be a weaker enemy, as they see the Jews being, to in any way you treat them as equals. You can treat them, you can have a ceasefire with them, which is tactical in their eyes. They call it tahliya. There's no word for peace in Arabic. There's either you defeat the enemy or you compromise with them until you're at a point where you can defeat them. So right now is Israel in a hoodna? waiting no, for the th- next if There's one? no hudna. We, we constantly have terrorist attacks. We constantly have the Iranians trying to, to undermine us. It, it, it's always happening. You have Turkey trying to undermine us. The Western mistake here is thinking that if they put pressure on Israel and if Israel makes concessions, there will be peace. Now, I told you that 20 years ago, 25 years ago now, I left the government at that point because what I saw, okay, I thought maybe I was wrong. Maybe this offer to the, to, uh, the Palestinians and bringing them in and, and reaching some kind of rapprochement with them, we will... So I said, all right, it was with them the year. But within a year, you saw they were violating every part of the agreement. From day one, Arafat, when he came into Gaza, he was smuggling in terrorists that Israel had expelled here from it, from the area, he smuggled them back into Gaza. We knew about it. We demanded our, uh, Rabin, demanded that he kick this person out. So on day one he violated the agreement. And there were terrorists constantly going on. So what they were saying this is not us, this is Hamas. They're in a more extreme branch. But we negotiated with the PLO because for 20 years we were told that the PLO are the uh, representative, the representative of, the of, the of the Palestinian people. So who are suddenly the Hamas now. So we tried this. It didn't work. Not only did it not work, it was used in a, for an assault against Israel that we survived. That at the same time, while we're supposed to be in, in negotiations with the Arabs, and we gave them tangible things. We moved in the PLO into judean Samaria. 98% of the Palestinian population are no longer under direct Israeli occupation, despite what the media tells us. They're under Palestinian control. 48% of the territory is only Palestinian control. So they have the ability and they've gotten things from Israel. What are we get in return? Constant violence and pressure on the international community. Now instead of negotiating directly with, and in, in good faith with Israel, they're moving in the United Nations, they're moving in the international courts against Israel. The United States told them if you continue doing this, we will sanction you, we will not transfer money. Now they're also, the most mind blowing thing is that the aid that they're getting in billions of dollars from the international community, most of it is going to pay terrorists Best paid job in the Arab world today is somebody perpetrating terrorism against Israel because if you die your family Your children get a stipend from the Palestinian Authority if you're in jail you get money you get 10,000 shekels a month That's more that's ten times more than the average salary in the Palestinian Authority areas So if Danny Seaman
0: was an advisor of the president of the United States in regards to policy in Israel Vis-a-vis how is, is peace going to be made What would you tell the president? I would
1: tell him just trust your instincts. He was right about everything. He stuck to his guns. He did what he instinctively thought was right to do. And he was right. You want to make America great again? Behave like America is great. Just do, you know, you are the biggest power in the world, a power for good. Set down the law. Let them know this and this and this is unacceptable. We wouldn't accept it with ourselves. We don't accept it from the Israelis. We don't accept it for you either enough with this double standard don't have a standard that applies to Israel and a standard that applies to the rest of the world and a third standard that applies to the Arabs because oh yeah you know, we can't expect more from them expect more from them. you know when I was, became director of the government press office we had a lot of Arabs in Israel representing uh, Arab media from Syria from Algeria from Saudi Arabia and when we have, say, a correspondent from the New York Times come in, said we want an official letter addressed to the government of Israel requesting us to recognize this person as being an official bona fide journalist representative of the Soviet organization, we give them press cards. The Arabs, they would come in, I work for this, this Lebanese newspaper or this uh, Iraqi newspaper. I said to them, no, if you want us to treat you seriously like a bona fide, I'll ask you my commands from you are what I ask from everybody else our foreign ministry were saying to oh you can't do you can't expect them i said yes and if and if they don't then they won't get a press card i'm treating them and i was taken to court and the court said, and i said to the court i'm not discriminating against them i'm asking them to do what i asked from everybody else and who wants to be considered a bona fide journalist has to do with and it's not a big request for them it is big because that meant they had to recognize the state of israel so i stuck to my guns and it took a few months it took actually a year until they all, well, 99% of them fell into line. Those who got, now they, started, they tried to do pull cool sort of thing, you know, they, at that time it was faxes, so they would cut and paste and cut off the uh, that and put in the letter and have it supposedly addressed to the government of Israel. Said, no, 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 I want an original letter from the organization in Algiers, in Lebanon, in Saudi Arabia, to the government of Israel. Yes, they're gonna have to recognize this. 99%, it took a year, because they didn't believe that we would go through with this. And later on, the Arab journalists were saying to me, you know what, you respected us, you treated us like everybody else, you didn't let us get away with nonsense, and we appreciate that. They appreciated being treated equal, and they fell into line. So the basic thing I'm saying here is very simple. If you come and tell them, we expect you to behave like European countries behave towards each other, like we expect Israel to treat you, surprise, surprise, they may then start being, you know, you have this Arab Spring in the Arab world, the moment the countries didn't start demanding that there become democracy and democracy is not only elections democracy is freedom of speech first and foremost democracy is freedom of individuals it's female rights it's human rights the moment they didn't demand that the moment they went to this whole romanticized version of uh, of revolution Unfortunately, the Marxist vision of revolution, which has never been good anywhere, instead of going into the American type of revolution and the French type of revolution, which eventually brings true democracy, the moment they said, we can't expect it from the Arabs, they all went back to being a different type of theocratic theocracy, which is unfortunate. The reason the Arabs failed was because the West didn't show the way.
0: Got it. So, bottom line, looking forward, are you optimistic about peace? Are you... Um, pessimistic, or is it we're going to wait and see. Can you give us your I'm, uh, projection?
1: I, I don't care about peace. The state of Israel was created for one thing and one thing only. Not for human rights, not to be alighted upon nations. For that simple reason that Jews will never be defenseless again. We may be victims, but we're no longer helpless victims. That photo of the um, unnamed child in the ghetto Varsa that we're all familiar with, that iconic photo of the child with his hands up, That's not going to be my children. It's not going to be any of our children. In that case, I'm very optimistic. The Jewish people today are the strongest they've ever been in their history. There are more Jews in the land of Israel than there have ever been in the entire history of the Jewish people. We are stronger today, more vibrant today. Um, Our future is amazing and full of promise. We are the only Western country that has a a high birth rate. Western countries have lost faith, have lost faith in themselves, have lost faith in God. In Israel, the belief in our destiny in God, in religion is growing stronger. Israelis have three children per family today. And this I'm talking about the secular, I'm not even talking about religious. So that is, a, is, a, is a indicative of the optimism we have here. And we extend that optimism. You know, 20% of our population are non-Jewish, they're Arabs. We extend that to them. The Arabs who have the best living conditions in the entire world are in the state of Israel. They're sometimes opposed to the state of Israel, but still, we give them that uh, because we're a democratic state, and they benefit from the optimism that we have here. So I'm optimistic that the sense the state of Israel is here, as we say, Am Israel Chai, the people of Israel are alive and we're kicking. The international community can have, do what it wants. You know, the fact that we have the state of Israel today means fine. We'll try to understand and look at things your way, but when it comes down to it, we determine our own destiny. In that sense, yes, I'm very optimistic because the Jewish people today control their own destiny. As far as peace comes, yes, it'll come as a consequence. Because look, the Israeli Arabs today who live here, they're full, engraved uh, citizens of the state of Israel. Maybe not be too happy about it, but they're much, you know, none of them are leaving in boats to Europe. None of them want to be part of the Palestinian Authority. They'd much rather be with Israel. When the Palestinians understand that they're better off being with Israel than seeing what's going on in our neighborhood here, None of them want to be part of ISIS. They're affected by the democracy that comes out of Israel. They'll want to live with us, maybe not with peacefully, but at least live with us neighborly. I think it'll happen with Arab countries as well. As Syrians are seeing today, that the only population that is assisting them is the Israeli population. And uh, I'm cynical saying that it won't matter, but I think when it comes down to it, they'd much rather live uh, neighborly relations with Israel than going to war against us. So I think that will happen as well. But more than anything else, uh, we here in Israel, we're a small country. We look towards the United States. The world needs the United States. I don't know if Trump is the promise or not, but I think he's awoken a lot of things by talking about making America great again. America is a great country. The American people are a great people. And the international community needs them again. We are in a world war right now. It's not like something that we've done before before. It's not similar to work where you can clearly identify, but we're clearly in a war. And just like World War One and World War Two, this new world war needs American leadership. And I think the Americans have always known to stand up at the time of challenge. The Americans will do that once again. We're going to be there with them on their side because they're the side of justice and right. And so yeah, I am optimistic. Wonderful.
0: Danny, thank you so much. Thank this you. has been a real distinct pleasure. We yeah, really appreciate, appreciate. it fascinating insight from Danny Seaman. Thanks for joining us on Because You Asked. You can always write to me at barry at americantruthproject.org. I promise to get back to you and you can go to our website americantruthproject.org where you can sign up to be on our mailing list. It's always free and you'll never miss an exciting episode. I'm Barry Nussbaum.